Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's a joy to bring God's Word to you this morning. It's awesome to think about how we're gathering virtually to um, celebrate the resurrection of our King along with millions around the world today. For 2,000 years, people have set aside today to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ and gather together to celebrate his name. Unfortunately, we're not able to be together this morning, but God has given us a hope that even in these circumstances comes to us in the gospel. Our hope isn't that God will isolate us from the difficulties of this life or that he will keep us free from troubling circumstances, but our hope is that Jesus is who he claims to be. That Jesus has died for our sins. And so we are forgiven in his name. And he has raised to new life so that we share in the hope of eternal life. As we turn to his word this morning, I ask that you would pray with me, um, asking God that he would move powerfully. Let's pray. Father, we turn to your word together again this morning, this book that you've given to us. Father, would you please speak it to our hearts? Do a mighty work in our lives. Drive out the darkness of unbelief. Speaking to us and shine in to our lives the glory of who Jesus is so that we might see who he is and put our confidence in him. Pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, your only Son, whom you have sent. Amen. This morning, God's Word is showing us that the most important thing that any any one of us needs is to see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. God's Word is showing us that the most important thing regardless of our circumstances, that any one of us needs is to see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might put our confidence in him. This is true if you're a believer or if you're an unbeliever. If you're a believer and you're listening this morning, God would have you see the glory of God, glory of who Jesus is one more time, that you're faith might be rooted even deeper in him. And if you're watching this morning and you do not believe, do not yet believe in who Jesus is, I ask that as you hear his words, as you see his love, as you see the power that was displayed in his life, my prayer is that in seeing those things, that you would believe, that you would believe that he is the Son God's eternal Son, whom he sent into the world for you. And in believing in his name, you would have life. God's word this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. If you have a Bible, please take it out so that you can follow along from home. But if you don't have a Bible... Just simply listen as I read. This account comes to us from 
John, one of Jesus' closest uh, friends. So listen to as he recounts these events. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John out of the ESV, chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his, hair, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying he, these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus had fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus, is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And she said this. And when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. 
when the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who has opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for, there, for he has been there four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And he said these things. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man, the man who had died, came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. God, please bless the reading of your word. If you've been to an art gallery where they exchange, ex- constantly change the exhibits, you'll notice that the walls are usually white. They do this to create contrast between the artwork and the walls so that your attention is drawn to the work of art and it accentuates the reds and the blues. This passage works in much the same way. Jesus stands out as utterly unique. And we see him deliberately arranging circumstances so that his uniqueness, his godness, would shine brilliantly. So that those whom he dearly loves would see and place their confidence in him. So let's look at this passage together. Please look with me at verse 1. John writes, A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent to him Jesus, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. Jesus and his disciples were staying about four days away from Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan River. Bethany was located just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples had retreated to the other side of the Jordan because there was a growing tension between the Jewish elite in Jerusalem 
and Jesus, and it had turned violent. So they retreated to get away from the violence. And when Mary and Martha saw their brother turn for the worst, they sent for Jesus, a four days journey on foot, trusting that his love would compel him to drop everything and come and heal their brother. They knew that even if it meant for Jesus putting himself at risk, returning to Jerusalem, he would come. His compassion would compel him to come at once and heal their brother. And John himself says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. If he loved them, why wait? Why wait another two days? Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified in it. What does Jesus mean that this, this is for the glory of God and that the Son of God might be glorified in it? He means that the events that are about to unfold are going to reveal God for who he really is. And they're going to reveal Jesus for who he really is, the one sent by the Father. This might give you a pause. You might ask, so you're saying that the events of Jesus' friend's illness, he's going to use them to make himself look great. How in the world does love compel you to magnify yourself in the midst of a tragedy? The only explanation is this, is that seeing Jesus' glory and greatness is our greatest need. Seeing who Jesus is, is our greatest need. He knows that this is the most important thing that any one of us needs, especially in our moments of deepest darkness and grief. We need to see the glory of God in him. We need to see him as he truly is so that we might believe in him because God has reached out and loved us in him. He is our rescue. Our greatest need is not erasing difficult circumstances or, or dealing with our grief. It is to see Jesus for who he is, God's son, given for us so that all who believe would have life in his name. And when we see him, it doesn't necessarily take away the pain, but it does change the way that we grieve. So full of compassion and love, Jesus is compelled to wait because it would set the stage for his glory to be revealed. And after two days, he turns to his disciples and said, Knowing Lazarus has died, let us go to Judea again. Now these words spark 
fear in the disciples' heart. And they say, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And they're terrified because this violent tension has been rising. They know that if they return to Jerusalem, there is going to be confrontation. And that confrontation very likely will lead to death. So Jesus responds to their fears in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. You see, the sun is setting on Jesus' earthly ministry. He knows that the time of his departure, the time of his death is coming. But there's still light in the sky. And while there is still light, he is going to do the work of the Father. He knows he will not die one minute before his ministry, his perfect obedience to the Father is complete. And the time is coming when Jesus will die, when the light will go out. But while Jesus is with them, they have work to do. So they're going back. They're going into Jerusalem, into danger, into death, so that he can wake up Lazarus from the sleep of death. Beloved, I do not want us to miss the magnificent foreshadowing of this moment. Jesus walking straight into death so that he might raise his friend to life. That's the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus dying, going into death on our behalf on the cross so that he might raise us, his friends, to life on the last day. We get a beautiful picture of that right here as he and his disciples head back into Jerusalem, into certain death to raise their friend Lazarus. Look at how courageously the Lord walks into death for his friends so that he can wake us up. And Thomas, in a swell of courage, says to the other disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas's remarks are also pointing ahead to what it looks like to follow Jesus in this life. Following Jesus is following Jesus to death. But it's following Jesus to death, knowing that he has gone before us into death and that he will raise us up to newness of life. So when Jesus arrives just out to Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now there is Jewish teaching that says that the spirit of a person, when they die, hovers over the body for three days and on the fourth day departs. And Jesus arrived on the fourth day. So there would have been no zero expectation of Lazarus coming back at this point. It was hopeless. The only hope was in the age to come. And the family and the community had gathered to mourn in Martha and Mary's home. 
And word got to Martha that Jesus was not far off. And so she rose and she went out to meet him. And when she got to him, she said, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I imagine Martha choking out those words in between tears. She knew that Jesus loved them and that if he had only been there, he would have healed him. And Jesus said so much himself to the disciples back in verse 14. He said, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Because if Jesus was there, he would have healed them. He would have healed him. We need to be assured of Jesus' tender-hearted mercy towards us and his compassion towards us. He is full of mercy and full of compassion, even when we can't see it, even when it's veiled in the mystery of God's will. All of his actions towards us are loving kindness. Rest in that. Jesus says to Martha, verse 23, your brother will rise. I know my brother will rise in the last day. Dear Martha is clinging to the truth. Do you ever feel like you're clinging to doctrine? To biblical principles, to truth? That if I can just hold on to this truth, like God loves me, or God cares for me, or I'm forgiven, or I will be in heaven, that you will make it through the storm safe. Brothers and sisters, holding on to precious truths are important, but every truth leads us to Jesus. So let Jesus hold on to you. Put your confidence in him. God loves me because he gave his only son on my behalf. God cares for me. He didn't withhold even his own son. How much more will he he greatly give us all things? I'm forgiven because Jesus has poured out his life on my behalf on the cross. And I'll be in heaven because Jesus has gone before me. Brothers and sisters, every truth leads you to Jesus. So put your confidence in him. Listen to what he says to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying that I am the one who can give eternal life and the promise of the future transformation in the resurrection. Life is the eternal life of God that Jesus gives to all who believe in him. And that life will break forth into fullness when Jesus raises us from the dead on the last day. He is the resurrection and the life. When Jesus speaks into the grave and brings Lazarus back to life, he's giving us a powerful illustration of his life-giving power. 
so that we can anchor our confidence in Him. Are you listening this morning and you are aware that you do not have that life? You do not have eternal life. That God has been working in your heart and you can see that the life that you are looking for comes from Jesus. Call out to Him. Tell Him of your need for Him. Tell Him that you can't achieve that life on your own. Tell Him that you see His love, that you see His power, that you can see that He is the Son of God sent into the world. And ask Him, would you give me that life? Would you give me your life? After speaking with Martha, Jesus calls for Mary, and she comes at once. And a crowd follows her. And she falls at Jesus' feet, says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knows, she knows too, that if he had only been there, he would have healed Lazarus. And her words are followed by a flood of tears. And all who have come begin to weep and wail. And our text says, verse 33, He, Jesus, was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. The word translated greatly troubled is best understood to mean angry. Something in that moment stirred up anger in Jesus. What could it have been? Let me suggest that it was this overwhelming display of grief in the presence of the one who gives life. His inner spirit was provoked and his anger was stirred. He was angry that even though they stood in the presence of the Son of God, they could not see him. That sin, that darkness, that death was keeping them from seeing his glory. They were grieving as though they had no hope. No more. So moved by love and anger, he asked, where have you laid him? And coming to the grave, he says, take away the stone. Martha protests, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Everyone there would have known hope was gone. Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. They took the stone away. Jesus thanked the Father for this moment that people would believe that he was the one sent from God. And he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And at his word, life returned to Lazarus' body. The brilliance of the glory of the Son of God shone and drove out the darkness of unbelief and death. This empty tomb was followed only days by another tomb, a tomb that held Jesus, Jesus who was put to death by those who sought his life. But he said before he died, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. 
He laid it down for us, paying in his blood the price for our sins. And he took it up again, overcoming the power of sin and death. Brothers and sisters, he is the resurrection and the life. May you see him for who he really is and seeing him believe that you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your Son. Thank you for giving us the one who is full of your glory. Thank you for revealing his glory so that we might see and put our confidence in him. That your promises would be anchored in a person. In your promised Messiah, in your son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for each of your people that our faith would be anchored in him in what he has done, in what he has accomplished, not in our ability to hold on to some abstract truth, but trusting in him and knowing that he will not let one of his children go. And Father, I pray for those who do not know you. I pray that in hearing this, they would begin to see and begin to trust the Jesus is exactly who he says he is and that he has done everything that he says he's done and that he will do everything that he has said he will do. Father, grant faith, grant eyes to see. We pray these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.